Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Darcy Thompson-Fields. And my name is Nathan Anibaba and this is the CEO of our digital show. This is an open-ended exploration of markets, technology, trends, ideas and strategies that will help you better deliver results for your company and your stakeholders. You can learn more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. So Darcy, what did you think of the interview with Paige? I thought it was a great interview. Paige has such a good energy. Um, I think my top highlight this week was probably Paige talking about her leadership style. I love her approach of like only hiring people who are much smarter than her and then letting them run with it. Right. How about you? What did you think? I really liked what she said about working with a new CEO and how they communicate their vision to the rest of the leadership team. Definitely. So that they can buy into where they want to go. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Should we get into the episode then? Let's do it. Our guest this week is Paige O'Neill, the Chief Marketing Officer of Sitecore. Paige is an experienced data-driven Chief Marketing Officer with a strong track record of accelerating growth and contributing to multiple successful exits, both acquisition and IPO. She's a career B2B marketer with enterprise and mid-market SaaS experience that ranges from Fortune 100 to late-stage startups and everything in between. Paige O'Neill, welcome to the CEO.Digital show. Thanks so much for having me. Your experience and background is absolutely fascinating. You've helped grow VC-backed startups to enterprise and mid-market SaaS businesses to Fortune 100 and even late-stage startups, but your academic background is political science and media and ecology. How do you go from there to a career in marketing? Well, it's, you know, it's actually, they're very related, which is, I think, funny, but um, I wanted initially to teach college. And so I was working on a PhD uh, in media ecology at NYU. And, and that's the, the study of how technology impacts culture. So it's not unrelated to everything going on in tech. And, you know, I, I, kind of realized that after a couple of quarters teaching an undergraduate class that the teaching life wasn't going to be for me. It was too repetitive. I like a lot of dynamic change in environments. And so I, I kind of fell into looking for a part-time job and I, I wandered into a public relations agency. I didn't even know what public relations was, to be honest. Someone referred me there and and it happened to be a high tech PR agency. And they were working on, their, their two big clients at the time were IBM and Sony. And so I literally went from, you know, one week I was in class and I was writing papers about how corporations were going to ruin the internet because they were starting to catch on to this as a business model and academics didn't like this at the time. And so there was a lot of conversation about how it was just going to ruin this idea and free exchange that was happening on the internet. And literally the next week I went to work for IBM's internet division at this PR agency. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I just kind of fell into it. And I, you know, I, and I quickly fell in love. I, I never looked back. I was so drawn into the world of technology. Mm. There was so much happening at the time with, with all of the corporations realizing that this was going to change business. And so getting caught up in that was quite easy to do. Yeah, I think you've been a CMO seven times now, I believe, from, you know, public companies to early stage startups, focusing mainly on the, you know, the technology space and our MarTech space, uh, as you said. So could you talk about how the market for customer experience has changed in recent years and where we're at today? Yeah, and I think it's, you know, the during the time that I've been in marketing, it's gone from, you know, there wasn't such a thing really as customer experience. We didn't think about that. We didn't talk about that. 
And then as you know, I would say probably 10 years ago or so, we started to hear about this thing called customer experience as, as more and more companies started to go digital and consumers started to access brands and products and services online on so many different channels, phones and the web and you know, even you know, watches these days. I think that, and then you had companies like Apple and Amazon come in and radically change the expectations that customers had. You guys are probably too young to remember, but in the early days of tech, we would put up with a lot of uh, things going wrong. Like even trying to get online from your house was very difficult. You'd have to dial up and you'd lose the connection and it would take forever and things took forever to load. And you'd go onto websites and they were super slow to load. And we just put up with all of that because it was all relatively new and we didn't know any different. But then companies like Apple started creating these amazing experiences with their products and their packaging and their user interfaces and these beautiful sleek products. Amazon started delivering things you know, pretty much overnight. You could just order whatever you wanted. And consumer expectations changed pretty dramatically as all of this started to play out. And then the technology just got better and better and faster. And so once we experience things in, in a positive way and we have these great experiences with some companies, we expect to have the same fantastic experience with every company that we do business with. And so our expectations just continue to rise. And so that's essentially customer experience in a nutshell, right? All the brands start to become pressured to deliver these experiences. And it, it just takes on a life of its own. And that's exactly what's happened. Customer experience has gone from kind of a nice to have, you have some companies creating nice customer experiences to a mission critical must have. And, and to the point where now customers rank the experiences they're having with brands as more important than the actual price of the product or the product itself. Yeah, definitely. And if you could give kind of one piece of advice to your fellow chief marketing officers at the moment in terms of where they should be focusing in terms of customer experience, what would that be? Yeah, and I, I, would, I was just talking to a CMO yesterday and I, I talk to, to CMOs all the time. We're all going through digital transformation right now. We're all looking at how do we digitize our business? How do we understand what the customer is trying to achieve when they interact with our brand? And how do we provide our goods and services in the best possible way in response to that? And, and I think every CMO I talk to is thinking about how do I understand what my customer journey is, what my customer's expectations are, and then how do I build an experience that's responsive to that? And I think that digital transformation, it often falls down when the pressure inside the company becomes uh, just technology focused. Like let's roll out a new website. Let's, let's revamp our platforms. Let's integrate our systems. And you leave the customer out of the center of the equation. You've got to take several steps back and first take that time to understand what the customer is trying to achieve. Who is the customer? What are their challenges? How are they trying to interact with you? And then respond with content and technology that meets those needs. Perfect. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about Sitecore in a bit more detail because the company is an industry-leading digital experience platform that empowers the world's smartest brands to build lifelong relationships with their customers, as, as you've just explained. What problems do your customers typically have and, and how do you help solve them? Could you give us a, a great client example? Sure. And you know, typically our customers 
are trying to augment the digital experiences that they're having with their customers. So they've got customers that are trying to reach their brand on their website, on you know, many different channels, and they want to create a compelling experience that's going to entice that customer to want to continue to have that relationship with them and ultimately make a purchase. And, and so we help them with the technology to put together those digital experiences. And so it's you know, website technology, it's content management. The, the content part of the equation is, is absolutely critical because you've got to be able to personalize your interactions with customers. And one of the things that Sitecore is really known for is our personalization capability. Mm. And if you think about it, you know, customers have this expectation that you're going to know them today. You're going to understand what their preferences are, and then you're going to deliver content, offers, products, services, et cetera, mm. that's going to meet those needs. And so it, it takes a lot of technology on the back end and even more content to be able to serve up that, that personalized experience. And so that's what Sitecore enables our customers to do. And, you know, we've got a, a significant percentage of the, you know, the Fortune 100, the Fortune 500, the Fortune 1000, you know, some of the best brands in the world using our technology to deliver their experiences. And I mean, I guess in terms of an example, one of my favorite is, is actually Volvo. Hmm. Um, Volvo has been all in on digital transformation for quite some time. And I think they were a really great example of a company that's doing it right because they had a top-down strategy they aligned across the C-suite, starting with the CEO. The CEO set a bold vision for the company, uh, and their CEO is is a, a very dynamic person, and he set many bold visionary uh, strategies for the company. That initially, you know, he would you know set, set these strategies, and people think we can't possibly do that. But then, you know, you start working towards the strategy, and it's amazing what you can accomplish. He basically came out a couple of years ago and said that by a certain year, and I think that year was 2022, that, that he didn't want any fatalities in a Volvo vehicle because of, because of the fault of the car, which was just mm. an amazing statement to put out there. Definitely. And so they've been diligently working on all of the technology behind the scenes to achieve that, introducing new makes and models of cars. And behind the scenes, they're, you know, they're working with Sitecore to put together their, their digital experience platform, and it's enabled them to get to market much more quickly with new vehicles. They're able to now launch a, uh, a new car simultaneously in almost all of their markets, so 90 markets or, or more, in a span of just a few minutes. So within a few minutes of them coming out with a new version of a car, boom, it's live on all of their websites across the globe. And they're able to, to really have those interactions with customers and have that global consistency, which was one of the goals that they set for themselves is they wanted to have consistency across the geos. So they've, I mean, at, at a time when many other major car manufacturers are struggling for growth, Volvo has actually seen very strong growth over the last couple of years. Really fascinating. And, and talk about sort of w what that digital experience sort of looks like for yourselves, Sitecore, because that's that's something that a lot of other technology companies don't really drink their own milk or their own Kool-Aid, whatever analogy you want to use. You say that you wanted to be your own best example of the technology change that you wanted to see. Why was that? And I'm glad we're not saying eat our own dog food anymore. We seem to have stopped saying that. <laughs> How did we ever get started saying that? But yeah, yeah. I've never heard that. <laughs> it's absolutely critical, you know, I think for, for Sitecore and, and certainly for me and my role as CMO, for us to be the best possible case study for our own technology. 
And, and there's so many reasons why I think that's important. First of all, um, you know, we want to provide the same types of digital experiences for our customers as every other marketer does on the planet. We're very interested in why customers are coming to our website, why people are looking for information about us. How do we deliver up that information in a better experience? How do we put all of our digital channels together to really facilitate those interactions and that brand equity and loyalty. So that's first and foremost is thinking about it from the customer's perspective of how do we provide the best experience? And every company on the planet needs to be thinking about that, especially now in this COVID environment where everything pretty much is digital. The second reason why I think it's absolutely critical for us to be a great case study for our own technology is that every day, you know, either my team or the sales team is out having conversations with customers. And when we're able to come to the table and say, yeah, the marketing team at Sitecore has been through this and here's how they're using the technology, Mm. it just makes us so much more credible to have those conversations with customers. And I mentioned I was on the phone yesterday with a CMO who's going through digital transformation. And so I walked her through the strategy that my team took, how we were able to take a few steps back and think about our content strategy holistically Think about it from a customer journey perspective, the decisions that we went through as we layered in the technology, how important content strategy was. And so having that conversation with firsthand experience with the technology is so powerful. I mean, obviously, every business and industry is going through digital transformation and even more so because of COVID-19. And, you know, when organizations are making such a fundamental change to how they run their business, I mean, what are the things that should be top of a marketer's agenda, both from, you know, a customer experience, but also an employee experience? Yeah, and I think that you're absolutely right. Every company on the planet is going through digital transformation, and it's it's obviously much more complicated and comprehensive than just the website piece of the equation, or even you know the content technology piece of the equation. It's something that spans across entire companies in many different industries. Um, but but I think that there are a couple of things that companies really have to keep in mind that are best practices that I hear time and again when I talk to the companies who've really had success and are doing it right. And I mean, I think, first of all, it's a multi-year journey for the most part, unless you're you know, a relatively small company and you don't have complicated infrastructure and legacy technology stack, it's going to be a multi-year journey. And so you've got to plan for that. And it's ideal if you can get a, an alignment across the C-suite and you know whether the CMO is driving digital transformation or the CIO or if there's a chief digital officer, some companies hire chief digital officers with varying degrees of success. Um, you've got to have alignment amongst the C-suite because you know I talked to so many CMOs who are struggling to help other C-suite executives understand what the benefits are going to be of the digital transformation. So you've got to go in with a plan to what's in it for the company, what are the business benefits, what's the ROI, and then help the other members of the C-suite see what's in it from their perspective in their language so that you can get that alignment from the top down. Ideally, you've got a CEO and even a board that's pushing pushing it from the top down and driving mm-hmm. that alignment. Um, but you've got to get that that first and foremost. And then I think another, another uh, important thing that I see in companies that are really doing it right is they don't just think about it from a technology perspective. They think about it from a change management and a cultural perspective. 
you've got to change everything about every department in your organization to have a customer first mentality and understand all the different touch points that are happening across the organization. It's not just something that happens overnight. It's going to require real change from every department and you need the entire company to be bought in and understand how their role is going to be impacted how they're supposed to help the company get through to the other side and really have that change management in place. And that's not you know, a marketing function or a technology function. That's really across the entire organization. And again, back to Volvo, they're a company that really invested a lot in the change management side of it. They got the employees rallied around it and everyone working towards that common goal. And it really paid off for them. Really fascinating. Let's talk a little bit about the brand versus demand gen debate. We know that the fame metric is important because if people don't have an emotional reason for thinking about you and your brand, then it makes purchasing your products and your service so much more difficult. And however, if we ignore the demand gen side of things, that's generally considered career suicide for a lot of B2B marketers, but it's very difficult to strike the right balance. What advice do you give to other marketers in a similar position? Yeah, I mean, the first piece of advice I would give is, you know, typically when you go into a new CMO role, they've either hired you because you're a great brand builder or you've got great demand gen chops. And so if you're going into an organization where you think you're going in to build the brand, I'm sure you are, and I'm sure that's top of mind for them. But as you said, demand gen is always job number one in B2B marketing. I've gone into so many organizations where, you know, the the initial conversations were around how do we build the brand? And then you get in there and demand gen is still priority number one. So Mm. I think the first lesson is that, you know, you ignore demand gen to your own detriment, Mm. even when you are in major brand build mode. Um, But then I think, you know, you know, kind of that aside, I think, you know, companies are at different trajectories in, in terms of their size, their growth, their ambitions, what the next phase is. And you have to really understand when's the right time to pull the lever on brand awareness versus demand gen, because I think you've got to be in a position as a company where you've got the demand gen engine humming along. You understand where your leads are coming from. You understand the pipeline and how things are moving through the pipeline. You understand how much marketing budget can be applied to create X dollars of pipeline and revenue. And only at that point, in my opinion, is is it time to say, okay, we've got the demand gen engine humming along. We're going to keep that moving, of course. And now's the time to really try to catapult it by layering on the brand awareness. That's, I mean, that's just, I'm sure other marketers have different opinions, but that's my opinion based on my experience. And so I think you, if you, know, if you the, the awareness, and I think that's because the, you know, the dollar amount required to generate the brand awareness and the return that you get on that, it takes a much longer period of time and it costs a lot more money to go in and start building brand awareness. And you've got to be, you've got to make sure the organization understands the trade-offs there and that you're not, you're not sacrificing pipeline in the meantime. Definitely. I mean, there's so many keys to hold. And, you know, with that, it's important, I imagine, at your level to, you know, whilst you're setting the objectives, you've also got to build an excellent team that can actually help you deliver on those. So how do you make sure you're not only hiring based on sort of the right skill sets and experience, but also the right attitudes and the right behaviors? Because, you know, having that culture is crucial. It is. And and I think, you know, I, I think you've got to, my goal is to always hire people that are a lot smarter than I am and then just <laughs> get out of their way. Right. And, and I think, you know, if, if you're able to do that with confidence, 
and just let them shine. I think that's the first key is you, you've, you've got to get experts in their area who've got, you know, rock solid experience in the areas that you want to move into managing teams. And then you've got to do that cultural check as well to make sure that their management philosophy, their, their attitude towards work, their, their overall demeanor lines up with the company culture and values that you have. Uh, you know, a lot of companies really place a lot of stock when they're going through the interview process in lining up the the candidates to the values that the company has. And, and so I think that's so important as well to, to contribute to and continue to grow the culture. But I think the most important thing is to hire the smartest people possible and then just get out of their way. Mm. Now, Sitecore recently uh, got a new CEO, Steve Tsakakis. Uh, he recently started in September. And a new CEO generally comes in with their own agenda and, and their new their own vision on things. Some in the C-suite would relish that challenge and others may be a bit more nervous about sort of what's to come in the future. What was his vision? How has he laid it out? And how have you embraced the challenge of working with a new CEO? Yeah, it's, I mean, and it's, it's absolutely a challenge. It's, you know, it's, and I'm probably in the relish camp for sure, but you know, he's, he's one month in. So I think he's, you know, he's definitely at the point where he's come in with, uh, with a, a vision around growth and accelerating growth and also, you know, really doubling down on what Sitecore is best at digital experience, delivering that for amazing brands and and then getting you know getting as much market attention as possible to the things that we're already a leader in doing. So it's really just accelerating the things that we're we're doing great today. Uh, but he's a month in, and so he's you know he's going to have other ideas as well as he finishes his listening tour, which he's on right now. Uh, but I think you know it it is it is true. I think you know you you are in the C suite, and you know I was hired in by the previous CEO, had a great relationship with him, and all of a sudden you know you have a new boss, and everyone in the C suite, everyone in the company, but everyone in the C suite has a new boss, and so I think you know how you respond to that is um, you know it's going to depend based on the person. I'm a person that relishes change. And so you, you can't possibly move too quickly for me or have, you know, enough change happening to, to make me nervous. I'm, I'm, I love to lean into those kinds of things. And I think that attitude is, is the attitude that you need to have when you're embracing a new C-level person, whether it's a CEO or, or even another peer, because they're going to want to change things. It's, it's just absolutely for certain that they're going to have things that they want to change. And so you've got to get on board with that and, and go along with it and not be resistant to it. Otherwise, it's, you know, I think it could be a long ride if, if you're not up for that. So I think you've got to gear up for that. And I think part of my role as a leader is to help people who maybe aren't as excited about change as I am to get excited mm. about it. I, you know, one of my um, uh, strengths is is motivating and, and getting people excited. And so I view that as important in, in times of leadership transition for other leaders to step up and help pave the way. And so I'm, I'm really excited about all of the things that Steve is talking about, uh, in particular, the, the accelerated growth and, you know, back to the brand awareness conversation, his top goal for me is brand awareness. And so that's every CMO's dream is to come into an environment where the feeling is that the demand gen engine is moving along and now it's time to make that investment in brand awareness. So there's nothing more exciting than that from my perspective. Well, how do you, you know, build a brand or rebrand on a global scale? And, you know, what does the future of that look like? Yeah. And I, I think um, it's, you know, like I said, it's um, I think you've got to put the foundation in place with your content and your campaigns and make sure that 
Um, the company has a point of view that's worth telling to the marketplace. And so, you know, when I came into the company two plus years ago, I spent a lot of time looking at who are we talking to? What are we saying to them? How do we create a compelling point of view and have content that's going to resonate with them and, and really have thought leadership across all of our different audiences and make sure that we have the content to funnel the conversations that we want to have. So I think the first thing that you've got to do is get that foundation in place. And then you, you've you got to scale it because at a certain point, you know, you're talking to your audiences and you're, you're generating new awareness all the time, but you've got to take that foundation that you've built and then look to scale it into either markets that you haven't gone into in front of people that might not have seen it, turn up the volume on the media spend, think about doing some bold things in advertising that maybe you haven't done before because you've been focused on the demand gen side of the equation mm -hmm. and really focus on those audiences that you want to resonate with. And so I think in our case, we're going to spend a lot of time over the next couple of years looking at the C-suite. Yeah. We've gone into the CMO in the last year or two. We want to expand that out now and look at the CIO, even the CEO. And so the kinds of content and programs and and activities that are going to resonate with that C-suite is very different than what's going to resonate with our developer community and our hands-on digital marketers. And so I think you've got to have the right series of activities, tactics, awareness, advertising, et cetera, for each of those audiences, and then just you know turn up the volume on the scale around the globe and have, have a cohesive message that, that is easy to remember and is going to resonate. Absolutely. That's great advice. Um, you touched earlier on the fact that you love to embrace change. And we've all had to go through an incredibly big change <laughs> this year with COVID-19 and the way it's impacted business. And I know lots of businesses are now thinking about a hybrid model uh, as the pandemic progresses, with some people working from home indefinitely, uh, some in the office and some in between. Um, you know, if that's the case, um, what are the implications for hiring, upskilling and uh, reselling for your team? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that we don't know yet. Right. Because I, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of conversation happening right now that, oh, people aren't going to go back to offices. Everybody's going to work yeah. from home or, you know, some people are going to have a hybrid approach where they want to go in a day or two a week. I've heard about a lot of people who are deciding to move. And so they're moving out of cities and into more remote locations. And, you know, all these people are just assuming that that's going to be OK from a work perspective, that they're going to be able to just work remotely. And I do think that we're going to have a lot more flexibility in terms of going into the office. I don't think that we're ever going to go back to this expectation and requirement that we're there five days a week and we're sitting there for a specific period of time. I think that was already largely gone before the pandemic, but I think yeah, even more definitely. so it's dissolved now. But I do think that, you know, as we, as we talked about a little earlier, there's tremendous value in people being together face to face. And there's also tremendous value in, you know, even if you don't come to the office every day, you can easily get to the office to have critical meetings and to have critical face-to-face -to -face touch bases with your colleagues. And so I think that people should think carefully about moving out of locations where offices and jobs are and, and think about how that could impact their career in the future. Because I just don't think we know how all of this is going to shake out. But I do believe that the office is not going away. It might get scaled back. We might only go in two or three days a week. But I think that people that are putting themselves in position to not be able to go into the office, they need to understand what their company's expectations are going to be for that. 
And so mm. I think there's a there's a long way to go with this, right? I mean, I think we're going to be working from home until, for, for the most part, until there's a vaccine, because I, I think a lot of people are just not comfortable going back to the mm. office. But I do think that the value of face-to-face is not going to just disappear. Yeah. So, so just related to that, um, uh, just to dig a little, a little bit deeper, obviously there's the upskilling and, and reskilling component. There's the creative and innovation component. You know, how do you get together and sort of innovate and come up with ideas? And as the pandemic progresses, how are you thinking about sort of where we are, especially with your team and sort of business operations over the next few months? I mean, what are the most pressing things that are keeping you up at night as it relates to COVID-19 and business continuity with your own team? Yeah, I mean, the business continuity, definitely not keeping me up at night. I think that, you know, certainly Sitecore and I think certainly tech companies were were well equipped to start operating from home. And, and so we haven't had any hiccups with regard to that at all. Uh, I think the things that keep me up at night are, you know, how do you keep the team engaged when you're not able to get everyone together? Because I think that rallying point of the face-to-face and, oh, the CMO is coming to the office or, oh, the CEO is coming to the office and having a an all hands. I think those things are critical for culture and engagement. And we're not able to, we're doing those things digitally for sure. And it's it's great to see everybody's faces on the video camera, but it's just not the same. And so I, I worry about engagement and, you know, are you able to, when, when I think for executives that have very large teams, we're able to reach out to those team members, but are you really able to see them in the same way that you'd be able to see 10 of them at the same time in the office? And so that's definitely a concern. Uh, I think the other concern that you, know, you touched on a little bit as well is, is the, the creativity and the brainstorming. Um, you know, a good example is, you know, I, I typically like to do thought leadership campaigns that have got, they've got three or five elements. And so the, and the three things typically are some statement like, you know, marketing campaigns are dead, which, you know, can't believe a marketer would say that. And then you build content around that. And typically my teams get together and do brainstorming for that in person. And we, you know, all of us get into a room and we do brainstorming and we're whiteboarding and it's, you know, you get to the point where you think we're never going to figure this out, but then you have a breakthrough and it's all very exciting. We tried to do that on Zoom a couple of days ago and it just didn't go that well. Right. And so I think we have to really rethink, you know, things like the brainstorming where you're feeding off the energy in the room, those things don't lend themselves in my opinion as well to doing it online as it does in person. So that's just one example of things that I think we're missing. And so can you keep plugging along and come up with ideas and make events digital and move business along and have great content? Sure. But does it have quite the same punch? I don't know if it does in the long term. I think at a certain point, right, we've got to get that energy, that in-person energy back together. Yeah, I think it is, you know, as you said, a really difficult time for employees. They need really strong and clear leadership. Uh, and a very successful leader like yourself. And I was just wondering if you could share with us one of your greatest leadership successes or experiences. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, a couple come to mind. I mean, I think there's the there's the, the people side of it where uh, you think about, you know, there have been, I, I can think of two or three employees that I worked with over a long period of time who might have told me that they had a specific goal, like becoming a CMO or moving forward in their presentation skills or, or, or some other very specific objective and understanding that and then putting structure and mentorship in place to help them achieve that 
uh, or, you know, negotiating salary for, for, you know, women in tech who often have a hard time negotiating salary. And so, you know, I, I feel that when you're able to mentor employees and see them have those breakthroughs, it, it's extremely rewarding. So I think that's, you know, one example on the personal side. And then, you know, I think I, I, I remember working for a company that um, was going through an acquisition and, and having to, and, and the acquisition was, uh, it was a hostile acquisition. And so the employees were very upset about it. And, you know, I, I just kind of had to really get in there and, and try to improve morale of the, not just the organ, the marketing organization, but the entire company. And, and I just remember every day thinking, you know, driving into the office thinking, okay, you know, how am I going to today, improve the morale and, you know, maybe not be successful convincing them that this is a great idea for the company. Cause I don't think anyone really wanted to have the acquisition at this point, but, but at least just, you know, help them understand that, you know, there's a business reason for this. This could work out really well for the company. Here are the advantages that we're going to see from this acquisition happening and, and put things into context, right? Cause I think a lot of times things fall out of context in a business environment and, and you've got to kind of get back to, hey, this is, you know, one point in time in your career in this business and you have choices if you don't like it. It's, you know, it's not the end of the world. We're all being well compensated and there's a vision here that it is possible to get excited and get behind. And I think over the course of, you know, a couple of weeks of really every day consciously thinking, you know, how today am I going to help improve the morale of the company? We did all rally behind it and and make it successful and positive, and it was you know something that felt like it was impossible to achieve that we that we were able to achieve from a cultural perspective, and that really stands out for me. Yeah, Paige, it's been really fascinating speaking to you. Now we're getting into our speed round, and these are the questions that we ask everyone that comes onto the CEO Digital Show. So, uh, Darcy and I are going to fire some questions at you, and if you could fire some answers back, that would be greatly appreciated. We'll take it in turns. Darcy, do you want to go first? Yeah, this is one I'm actually particularly fascinated uh, to hear your opinion on. But what do you think the evolution of the CMO role looks like? Uh, complexity. It's. I think that we're taking on more and more responsibility. In a lot of cases, expected to be in charge of customer experience. And so, I think either you're throwing the kitchen sink into the role, or in some organizations, you're dividing it, bringing in a chief digital officer, or sharing responsibility with IT all over the map. <laughs> <laughs> what is your guilty technology pleasure? I mean, what do you use at home or at work that you're slightly embarrassed by, but you know, it, you love it anyway? I'm obsessed with Instagram. <laughs> I lose a lot of time scrolling through Instagram and you know, looking at the videos. And uh, I, I'm into, uh, uh, I've recently gotten involved with a horse rescue charity. So I, I've been watching all of these videos of these horses on Instagram. And uh, you know, suddenly you look up and it's dark outside and you're saying, what happened? <laughs> I've lost, I've lost the day. Yeah. <laughs> Happens to me far too often. Um, can you describe for us in one line what your family thinks you do? How they describe your job? <laughs> My mother um, thinks I work for Oracle, which, you know, I did like 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. What kind of leader would you describe yourself as, Paige? Are you more of a creative leader? Are you commercial? Are you more despotic, empathetic? How would you describe your leadership style? Definitely empathetic. I, you know, I think I've got a really strong ability to get inside how either the organization as a whole is feeling or how individuals are feeling and, and try to lead from that perspective. You know, you've obviously had an incredibly successful career. Uh, can you name some of the early influences and what experiences affected your approach to 
marketing and growing your business? I think, uh, you know, I had a, I had a mentor, uh, very early on in my career who, um, I worked with at at the first PR agency that, that, um, that I talked about earlier at, at IBM and, you know, she took a chance on a graduate student, um, who, you know, had a typed resume that's high, the highlights included that I managed the cocktail waitresses at the bar that I used to bartend at. And so she, you know, she took a chance on someone that had no experience and hired me into this PR agency because I think, you know, she saw potential there and was, was a a very strong mentor to me very early on in my career. Even, you know, at one point I remember early on her having to explain to me what it meant to CC somebody on an email. And so I think that, you know, sometimes you take chances on people and I try to do that sometimes too, when I see a spark in someone or I see someone who doesn't seem like an obvious fit. But you know, I think that um, she had a tremendous impact on my career because she had no business hiring me to do the job <laughs> that she hired me to do. And somehow she did and it worked out. So <laughs> certainly did. Um, and just, you know, to wrap up, what are the top one or two issues that you're working on that are top of mind today? I think... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Sitecore is, is really expanding our, our product footprint and, and heading down the road to SaaS. And, and that's something that, you know, the entire company is working on right now. And we're very excited about because I think it's going to disrupt the way that marketers think about building customer experiences and just make it much easier to, to put a website up and, you know, much, much more um, uh, rapid to achieve the ROI that we want to see from these sites versus today, you know, it just takes entirely too long for us to think about how do we, how do we pull together the content, the infrastructure, the technology. And so I'm very excited about the potential of SaaS for the, the content management industry in particular and, and Sitecore for sure. Really fascinating. Paige, thank you very much for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this conversation, then please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thank you very much for your time. See you next time on the CEO.digital show.